today we're uh, talking a bit of doing a bit of gardening. Now I'm not much of a gardener. I'm not much of a gardener. Not much of a green thumb. So I had to, I had to do a, a little bit of research uh, about uh, about weeds, uh, about defining a weed. I did have heard that people define weeds as simply being a plant in the wrong place. But I did look up uh, a few different definitions and descriptions of of weeds uh, this week to to sort of lead into our Bible reading this morning. A philosopher uh, once said that that work done well never needs doing over, Never weeded a garden. So anyone that thinks the work done well never needs doing over, never ever weeded a garden. It's a constant, it's a constant battle. Another person said, one year to seed, seven to weed. Another one said, a weed is a plant that has mastered every survival skill except for learning how to grow in rows. Another person said, a weed is simply a plant out of place. Another one said, a weed is a plant that is not only in the wrong place, but intends to stay. Another one said, a weed is, a, a, but a weed is simply a plant that wants to grow where people want something else. In blaming nature, people, uh, people make the culprit, uh, in blaming nature, people make nature the culprit. Weeds are people's idea, not nature's. Well, that was an interesting concept. What is a weed? It's a plant whose virtues have not yet been discovered. A flower is just an educated weed, said another. A weed is but an unloved flower, perhaps. Uh, Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh once said, weeds are flowers too, once you get to know them. Uh, Man, by definition, is the first and primary weed under whose influence all the other weeds have evolved. Well, perhaps. And a sign out the front of uh, a farmer's farm once said, Oranges, uh, $2 per bag. Apples, $3 per bag. Weeds, free. You pick them. <laughs> Talk about the parable of uh, the, the wheat and the weeds, or the wheat and the tares. Of course, a parable is a story that Jesus would tell about an earthly thing, but with a heavenly meaning. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's parables were Jesus' way of, of describing a little bit about, about what God's kingdom is like. And this parable, the parable of the, of the weeds among the wheat, uh, has, uh, has three primary lessons to teach us. It teaches us about the reality of, of evil in our world. It teaches us that, yes, there is actually nasty, bad stuff that is, is going to be present in the world. It, it teaches us that how, yes, it will one day be judged. And thirdly, about how to handle it in the meantime. The reality of evil, that it will one day be judged and how to deal with it in the meantime. Uh, that, is, that is what we're going to be talking about today. So open up your Bibles to, uh, to Matthew chapter 13. Got a couple of sections similar to last week. Jesus tells the parable, and then a little bit later on, he gives us, a, a, he gives us an explanation. So firstly, we're going to be looking at verse 24 through to verse 30, and then from verse 36 on to 43. So Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. 
The servants asked him, do you want us to go out and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Then down to verse 36. When he left the crowd and went into the house, his disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seeds stand for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the right, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Church, let's pray. Our God of grace, we pray that you might illumine your word for us this morning. Bring it to light for us. Father, we pray that we won't simply be hearers of the word but doers of the word. Loving Lord, we pray that my words might be your words. We pray that I might decrease and you increase in all that is said and in all that is heard. And all the people said, Amen, Amen. The weeds in today's story are, of course, symbols of, of imperfection in, in God's world, imperfection among, among God's people. The temptation, of course, is to, is to uproot them. The temptation, whenever we come across weeds, is to pull them up. Whenever we come across error, wherever we come across sin, the temptation, our, our natural inclination is to go in and to sort it out, to fix the job ourselves, to, to particularly if you're a bloke, I think, to go in and to solve every problem that you come across. Jesus issues a bit of a, a word, of, word of, of warning for us here today. It's a word of warning about how to deal with the imperfections of the world around us, but how to deal with the reality of, of evil that is indeed present uh, in, in the world. We're always very frustrated by the presence of sin and imperfection in, in God's church because people will often leave the church because they come across some sort of, of imperfection. Someone said something nasty or did something unloving and so people, uh, people leave. Oh, the church is full of hypocrites, they say. It's interesting that they don't say that about East Gardens, isn't it? If I was to say to you, hey, I'm going across to East Gardens to do some shopping. Want to come with me? You might, you might say... Well, you're probably not going to say, well, Pete, I went over to East Gardens the other day and someone was rude to me. They're full of hypocrites over in East Gardens. I'm never going in there again. You don't hear people say that about any other place than church, really, do you? It seems as though people expect the church to be, to be perfect. The famous uh, sales sort of uh, guru, Zig Ziglar. Has anyone ever heard of Zig Ziglar? If you've ever been involved in sales before, Zig Ziglar is like the granddaddy of salesmen, wrote many books on, on sales, and he tells a story in one of his books about how he invited a, a friend to church one day, and his, his mate responded, oh no, the church is full of hypocrites, and Zig Ziglar responded, there's always room for one more. 
The reality is, of course, is that you and I bring imperfection into the church. Like a farmer coming in from his field with burrs on his clothes, every time we walk in the door, we bring imperfection into the church. If the church was only for perfect people, who among us would be able to enter the doors? Amen? I always, well, I do often try to tell people, if you find the perfect church, when people are tempted to have a whinge about church, if you do, go and find the perfect church. Whatever you do, don't go there because you'll only ruin it. You'll only ruin it for the people in there. We're all a bit of a mix of wheat and weeds or wheat and tares. We all have within us the seeds of of sin and, and, and error. Uh, beginning of, of last year, we, we walked through, the, through Genesis, didn't we? We talked about the fall. We are living in a fallen world. We are living in a world that has to deal with, with sin and suffering and, and, and death and evil. That is just the reality until Christ, the Son of Man, comes again and, and puts, puts all things right. Uh, Jesus, however, gives us a warning in today's little parable. He tells us about barging in and taking matters into our own hands. He, he, he says, be very careful about barging on in and trying to do the weeding yourself, about judging others yourself, lest you become part of the problem, lest you actually make the problem worse. Jesus is telling us today, hey, look, trust the Heavenly Father to deal with it. This is his job, not yours. Amen? Don't even try to barge on in and try to correct others to do the judging yourself. It's above your pay grade. It's of not our position description to be barging in and trying to uproot other people. That is his job, and he will do it in his time. Jesus talks about the devil coming in and sowing, uh, sowing the weeds in, in the nighttime. Jesus spoke... Uh, more about the, the devil and about the presence of hell and, and of evil than, than anybody else in, in Scripture. Uh, the Bible seems to sort of describe the Satan, or simply that word simply means the accuser, as a, like a fallen angel. He's not God's opposite. You have to be aware that Satan or the devil is not God's opposite. He's a creature, part of the created order. Really, his equivalent might be more like the archangel Gabriel or or, or Michael. He's not a God's polar opposite. But he does go about the place sowing discontent, sowing seeds of of error in God's church and in people's lives. Indeed, whenever you do sort of sense that you are under spiritual attack, perhaps you might take a little bit of comfort from knowing that you're probably on the right track. Uh, We are told that he roams the earth looking for people to devour. Uh, Jesus warned about uh, looking uh, about the false prophets, to be wary of, of false prophets, of wolves in, in sheep's clothing. Uh, he is a master at, at, at counterfeit, is, is the devil. He is sowing seeds here that look very much like wheat. A little bit of a, uh, something that I didn't know before, I was reading about the parable this week, that the word that's used for weeds here, or tares if you're using the, the old King James, you might know this parable as the parable of the wheat and the tares. The, the word that's used there is actually for a type of grass that looks a lot like wheat, particularly in its early stages of development. It's a, a darnel, it's a type of, sort of a type of grass that grows that looks very, very similar. It's an imitation wheat. It's a 
but it is in fact a, a counterfeit. The devil is very good at counterfeiting. We most often think of counterfeit with, with money, don't we? But the devil is very good at counterfeiting that which is good and, and replacing it with evil. We think of he's, he's taken good things like uh, money or, or sexuality and has, and has produced any manner of, of counterfeits and any number of counterfeit genders, of course, are springing up these days. They're taking what God has created and, 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 and sowing seeds of, of counterfeit that is leading our people astray. Uh, but he loves attacking strength. He loves sowing seeds of discontent among God's church when a church is, is on the move. So I think there's, a, there's three kind of key takeaways for us, for us here from this, this parable, with a simple sort of imagery of a farmer and weeds and, and, and wheat and, and judgment at the end. Firstly, I think we can learn that weeding, well, it's not really our job. If we are thinking that it's our job to go and pull up the weeds among the wheat, this parable seems to be saying, no, Jesus is telling us no. This parable tells us to just get on with the job of growing. Get on with the job of being good wheat. Amen. The best thing we can do in the presence of error and sin is to get on with the job of following goods, God, life-giving commands. Get on with growing. It's not our job to go around pulling up the weeds. Secondly, it's a warning from Jesus that we, we might often be mistaken in identifying what is a wheat and, and what is a weed. Perhaps one day when we get to heaven, we might be very surprised to find uh, who is there and, and who, is, who is absent. Like I said, these, these tares, these weeds it is describing, actually looks very similar to, to wheat in the early stages of its development. So it's, it's a warning because we often are going to be mistaken in our judgment, in our identifying wheat from the weeds. And thirdly, of course... It's a warning against the harm that might be done when we go in and barge in and try to be pulling up the weeds. When you think about it, this is actually a very canny plan from the devil because by luring us in to try to do the weeding, we're actually doing his work for him. Can you see the temptation here to actually be doing the devil's work for him, trampling down and damaging the wheat in the process of trying to get the weeds out. It's going to be escalating the pain. Interestingly too, another thing that I learned from this parable in looking into it this week, the little, in the Greek, the little word that's translated as, as let, let the weeds grow, or permit the, words to, the weeds to grow, depending on which translation you're reading. So to let them or to allow them, to permit them, is actually the same word as, as to forgive. This is not a call to ignore the weeds. It's, it's a call to, to forgive the weeds. It's, it's a call to identify and to name it, to actively forgive them, to, to get on with life, to get on with growing, not pretending as though the problem doesn't exist, but to exhibit a Christ-like graciousness and forgiveness as we grow, as we go through life together. It's a call to be perceptive, to be on the lookout for, for counterfeits. And by the way, I did actually uh, start on my working life as a, 
as a, in, in the bank. And I, I can tell you that when they teach bank tellers in basic training, in banking boot camp, the way to keep an eye out for counterfeits, and we did run into a few uh, in my time uh, out at working out at Dubbo, as a matter of fact. Um, there were some people printing some fake $50 notes. And uh, the best way to spot a fake is actually to be familiar with the real thing. Um, Australian currency is, is some of the best in the world with all sorts of security features. And every teller would, would go through some basic training to, to understand and to be able to identify all the security features that are built into Australian currency. The best way to spot the fakes that are being produced everywhere all the time is to be familiar with the real thing. Can I encourage you to know your Bible, to get to know Jesus, to get to know the genuine article, the real deal, and get on with the business of hearing his call to follow, to discipleship, to be like him, to be Christ-like, and then you'll be able to spot error and omission when it is blasted at you through your computer or your TV screen, whatever it it happens to be. I'll leave you with a, with a couple of, of little uh, uh, analogies. Firstly, from a Dutch professor. Uh, a Dutch professor went about trying to calculate the cost of, of conflict down through the ages, down through the different eras of, of warfare. And this a Dutch professor started off with back in the time of Caesar, back in the days of the Roman Empire when life was very cheap. And he calculated that the cost of, of killing an enemy combatant was less than a dollar. Life was very cheap. But by the time Napoleon had come around, uh, warfare had become considerably more expensive and it cost Napoleon the equivalent of about $2,000 to kill every enemy combatant that he managed to. By the end of World War I, the First World War, the cost of conflict had escalated several times and it Estimated cost the Allies around $17,000 for every enemy combatant killed. During World War II, it escalated to about $40,000 to kill every enemy soldier. By the time Vietnam had come around, it cost the United States around $200,000 for every enemy combatant killed. The point is that conflict is costly. Conflict is costly. Conflict means that everyone gets hurt. Everyone ends up in pain. The, uh, the columnist, the original agony aunt, or Dear Abby, one of for you young people might not remember, used to be able to write into magazines and seek, seek advice from people. You'd say, oh, my boyfriend's doing this, and you would write in it, and these columnists would give you advice. And the original one was a lady by the name of Abigail Van Buren, or Dear Abby. You would write in, and people would, would seek advice from Abby, and they'd write, Dear Abby. And one piece of advice she actually gave was quite profound. She said, people who fight fire with fire usually end up in ashes. People who fight fire with fire usually end up in ashes. So church, be alert to the reality of evil around us. Yes, the devil is roaring like a lion. The devil is intent on destroying the church. The devil is intent on sowing weeds amongst the, amongst the wheat. But if we think it is our job to go in and try to uproot the evil amongst us, if we think it's our job to cast people out, the reality is we're only going to end up increasing the pain. We're only going to end up increasing the costliness and the heartache and the pain of this thing that we call church that is 
is hard enough without the good guys doing the bad guys' work for him. Amen. So can I encourage you uh, this week to trust in God to do the judging. Leave the judging to him. He knows what's best. He can distinguish the wheat from the weeds. It's above our pay grade. It's not our job to be pointing the fingers at others. It's not our job to ignore the presence of evil, but we need to be gracious and forgiving in this in-between time of Christ's first and second coming. The weed and the weeds will indeed one day be shown for what they truly are. Take comfort in that. And the master gardener will deal with them accordingly. The good wheat will be brought in. And the weeds will be thrown into the furnace. Justice will be done. Praise God. It's easy for those of us in the wealthy West to really get our heads around it. But I can imagine if you're in a war-torn country, you would simply want peace. And indeed, you want justice. Justice will one day be done. But praise God, he doesn't actually give us what we deserve. We are all a mixture of wheat and weeds, aren't we? We all have sin. We've all been saved by God's amazing grace. He sent his son to die on the cross in our place so that we might be numbered among those that are bought into his kingdom, that are bought into the harvest at the end of the age. But remember in the meantime that the judging and the pulling up of the weeds, that's his job and not ours. And who knows, when the harvest comes, church, we, we, we may find that we have a whole lot more wheat and a whole lot less weeds than we thought. Amen? Let's pray. Yes, Heavenly Father, we pray for wisdom. We pray for patience. We pray for discerning. Father, Jesus has told us about the need to be going out and scattering seed wherever you have placed us. Today, Jesus has urged us against taking action ourselves, against the weeds that will spring up inevitably in this imperfect age amongst our imperfect church. Father, we confess that each of us have some burrs on us. Each of us have a weedy past. Each of us is a mixture of good and bad. Each of us is a cause of hardship and, and pain to those around us at some point. We, we grieve others. We, we hurt ourselves, Father, and we, and we grieve you. So we are so very thankful that you are a God of grace. We pray that you might give us the wisdom and the patience to be similarly gracious this week, allowing you to do the judging Help us this week, we pray, to get on with the job of growing, of growing in you, growing in your likeness, Father, growing in godliness, growing in Christ-likeness as we look forward to that day when the harvest will be brought in. Every tear we wipe from the eye, no more crying, no more pain, no more death. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And all the people said, Amen. We're